and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And in semi-darkness, my good friend Jason Hunt is sat with a room full of gear. Jace, what's been going on? Oh, we've been kicked out of our lockup. Well, no, not kicked out. The building's been repurposed because it's in the trendy Digbeth area of Birmingham that's been redeveloped. So, um, yes, I've got a... Well, there's three bands that share it and I seem to have got one of the band's worth of gear in the room with me here at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's a wedge monitor behind you, isn't it? It, it is. Um, RCF, I think. Oh, OK. Did you say that was the drummers? It's the drummers, yeah. Right. A drummer that listens to himself. Uh, no, he has vocals through it. Oh, right. Oh, so he's got you you bursting yeah, through there. Yeah, he's got me through it. Yeah, lucky fella, eh? Oh, poor lad. Poor lad. <laughs> poor lad. <laughs> Uh, this is episode three, isn't it? Episode three of season three. It is. It is. How exciting. It is exciting. And we're very pleased to have Irene Ketakidi with us this evening. And we can't actually see her because she's got a slight issue with the room she's in and light and this and the other. So we're looking at a glorious photograph of you, Irene, but we can't actually see you. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm sorry about the dark room, but um, it's kind of more more mysterious like that isn't it well i'm actually thinking of taking a, a cue from you on this because i'm sure i can do a better picture of me than what i actually look like so i'm actually thinking for future recordings <laughs> and for those people who don't know me i think i might throw a Clooney picture up or something <laughs> i think <laughs> apart from the hair mate i mean that's about it right okay that, well, i that... suppose you can use ai and do whatever you like now right well, this I've never felt true. so quite so insulted in quite a while, if I've been. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. oh, man. No, uh-huh. I did. <laughs> so, Irene, we met, we met for the first time at the guitar show um, this year. And, and to be honest, I have to say, I was blown away by your set. In fact, I would of the, the, the years I've been going, probably one of the best sets I've seen on the live stage. Now, before we talk about everything that you do... That is quite. You do a lot of that kind of thing, don't you? Sort of events like that, and and sort of trade shows and and gear things. Is that is that right? Um, well, thanks, thanks very much. First of all, I really enjoyed the show, and the, the sound system was great there. So I had a, a great time playing with that PA system, and you know, it was it was a great show. I mean, I used to do a lot more shows back in the day. Now I do some selective events like that. I'm probably going to go to the muse- to the Guitar Summit, sorry, next year. But I think mainly I'm focused on live gigs at the moment. So I usually do full band gigs, but because I'm based in Athens, Greece, I don't travel a lot with the band. So mm. for events like yours, for example, I will play with a backing track because it's not easy to get everyone to travel. But I think my, um, well, favorite thing to do is play with a band. Yeah, as I guess most people would think, if they if they write music. So um, yeah, I mean I've done some Nam shows in the past. I've been to to the Messi a couple of times, but that must have been over seven eight years ago. That was when I released my first record. So I took around all these shows with different 
companies. It, it has always been, I ha, I've always been um, with Rotosound, but also there were other companies like Clots Cables that I'm endorsed by. Then there was um, some other uh, Chinese companies at some point that hired me to do the NAM show in 2000 and I think it was 2014. Yeah, that's right. So I've done quite a bit of that. Not like every year, obviously, but I've had my good share of performances in uh, trade shows and it's been really nice to, to see people respond to the music, even with just a backing track and meet some great players as well. Some Even people that I looked up to back in the day, I've, I've met some great guitarists in all these shows. To be fair, you say you like prefer playing with a band, but I think the one thing I remember about the performance on that day was that you, you don't hold back. I mean, mm. you know, I mean, just it, it was a backing track, but you wouldn't, you know, in terms of in terms of the performance, you you, you didn't stand still and play. I mean, it, it was a it was definitely an experience watching you play. Thanks. Yeah, I tried to make it interesting for myself, first of all, because if I sit there and play, I feel a little weird, like I'm <laughs> reciting something or just rehearsing. And uh, yeah, I feel awkward. So I've made sure to make it interesting for me and then obviously for the people who want to come and see a show, because it's good to play the right notes, but um, no one's there just for that, I guess. They would just want to see something more uh, exciting and, and not stationary. Because you know, some of my favorite players are very, uh, they move about in the stage a lot. And actually, funnily enough, I remember I saw Ingvi Malmsteen back in the day in the London Guitar Show. I can't remember what year it was. Maybe it was 2009, 10, I can't remember. And he was playing with a backing track. And he, because I've seen him with the band as well, he was even crazier when he played by himself. <laughs> and I was like, wow, mm. this guy, like you say, this guy doesn't hold back. He doesn't care if there's a band or a real drummer. He's going to just go up and down and do his thing anyway. So that was really inspiring. Wow. But yeah, I, I tried to do that. And also for my sake, because I like to see or feel rather, how do the, the songs or the melodies when I play them, how do they move my body? Can I sort of dance to it, if you like? Can I become one with this rhythm? It might sound too, um, I don't know spiritual but that's that's how i think about it but for the last few years at least so yeah so uh, so who are your favorite guitarists then if we're if we're on Ingve, he's he well he was one of my early influences for a little while at least but i would say my favorites are joe satriani and steve i of course and eddie van halen uh jimmy hendrix was uh, another big influence a lot later surprisingly, and Eric Clapton with Cream. I mm. used to love Cream a lot. And uh, yeah, I would say the Steve Morse as well. And then uh, a little bit of John Petrucci, of course, I loved, I mean, Images and Words was one of the albums I was blown away by when I listened to it the first time. And I felt like, uh, okay, this could really be something that I could belong to, this sort of sound and scene, if you is like. This, is this where you started? I mean, did you grow up in Athens? No, I grew up in Ioannina, which is in um, that lovely <laughs> photo <laughs> that's taken there. So it's, um, it's a city in northwest Greece. It's a mountainous area. It's got a good tradition in folk music. Like they do a lot of uh, fairs. Is that... I don't yeah. know if that's the yeah, the right word. They do a lot of that. 
and we are exposed to some sort of traditional music, not rock music so much, although there have been some really successful bands, Greek bands that travel the world. I mean, there is one called uh, Villagers of Yanina City, and this is one of the biggest exports we have at the moment. So, yeah, um, I grew up there. I started playing when I was uh, around 14 or 15. I went to a guitar school, started learning some chords and stuff, playing songs by ear. And then, uh, you know, I was having a, a, a good time, actually. Basically, the very first music I listened to would have been whatever was on MTV at that day. Mm. So that was, you know, Oasis, uh, Foo Fighters or uh, Skank and Ansi. So Prodigy. Mid 90s. Like, that's mid late 90s, was, probably. I think it was around 1996, 97, something yeah. like that. Mm. So, yeah, I my dad got me a guitar. Luckily, my mom wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> she, she didn't speak to him for a month. He <laughs> 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 was like, that was terrible. So I started practicing, learning some stuff, enjoying myself, getting good. Not perfect, but I was mm. loving it. And then at some point uh, when I uh, finished school, I, I was studying something else. I was studying uh, to be an electrical engineer, but that was not really a passion for me. As it turned out, it was starting to get a little boring. I mean, I finished this school, but then I knew that I wanted to come to London and study at the ICMP. So I was preparing for that financially and, uh, you know, practicing to get better and be able to go through the auditions. Because I wanted to learn this music that I loved from a place where, you know, has given birth to that music, if that makes sense. I mean, Greece is not, we have a lot of rock bands and we've got a strong metal scene, but it's not where this thing was first yeah. happening. So you know? how, how was the culture shock when you got to London? It was amazing. There was no shock. The shock was when I came back after <laughs> six, seven years. But uh, I, I used to love English since I was in primary school. I, I always loved this language. So I was like, I always wanted to go either to the States or England to be near this culture. So to me, it was just so refreshing. I mean, I was stressed, of course. I was like, am I going to make it? Is this city going to be kind to me? Or um, all that. But it was just so exciting to to be there and be able to to look at all these different players and do their thing and go to the jam nights and go to auditions and play with other people that i didn't know and get a lot of more respect if you like because at least back in the day even maybe today it's not very many people when you tell them you, you you're into music or you do music they might just think okay you're kind of a I don't know, lazy person who just wants to have fun or something like that. <laughs> but I was really serious about that. So I wanted to come to London and that was a huge part of my uh, my life, really. So you, you you come to ICMP, you say you stayed for what, seven, eight years in London? Actually, it was, uh, it was six in total. I think it was six mm. or six and a half. So I did the three years degree. Yeah. And then I started working and going and doing some... Um, well, I did obviously the teaching thing and I did some theater work, some other sessions, some little tours with some artists or tribute gigs. We did quite a few of those. Is that the uh, Famones? Is that yes. Say? Yeah. I, say, was... I see. I, I love the Ramones. Um, if, it's just, if you've ever heard me play the guitar, you will you will understand that. Um, I can't solo I to can't save my life. Um, 
but it seems so so very different to your stuff. Yeah, because see, was I, when I was in London, I was trying to learn all the other styles that I didn't know. Because when I mm. came there, I only played rock and metal. I, I didn't even play blues. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a huge blues player. I can at least understand the sound now. But I just wanted to be able to get into gigs and learn what's needed to do this as best as I can, regardless if I like the style or not. I mean, the only thing I never got into was jazz. I don't think I, I'm physically able to do that type of tone. But uh, it, it's very, it's a very, of course, respectable genre of music. I, I just don't think my personality can, can do that. No, no, it's okay. You can feel free to slag off jazz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we haven't got an opinion one way or the other, Jace, have we? But we've never had a jazz guitarist on the show. Let's just, just, just you know, leave uh, it there. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> There's a reason for that, though, isn't there? It's all of the notes, all of the time. <laughs> in all of the orders possible. <laughs> well, I mean, I love rock. I love the energy. And that's one of the things when you start to play guitar, isn't it? You notice the guitarist. You notice the yeah. solos. You notice the, um, the excitement, the, the tone, the, the electric sound. I think the sound of an amp to me was something amazing when I was starting. It was uh, mesmerizing. What, what was your first amp? The first amp I had was like a practice amp, like a 10-watt Marshall amp. So oh, right. was, okay. You're talking about the first real amp, like big amp? Oh, go on. It was a trainer model by Yorkville. That was a tube mm. amp. It was like a Fender type, I guess. Not yeah, as, they're very uh, Fendery, aren't they, trainers? Yeah, but I, I liked it a lot because I didn't know in the beginning how to play with a tube amp, but I remember I was at a masterclass where Gus G was playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's Greek, isn't he? Yes. Well, he's probably the biggest name, at least mm. guitar as a guitarist that has come out of this country. And I saw him and he was playing all his metal licks and riffs and stuff. And he had this amp. And I was like, well, if he can get this tone out of that amp, it must be a good amp. So I ended up buying that. Right, I don't know okay. if it was the same one, but I bought that um, within a couple of weeks. Cool. I mean, yeah, it's, it's so weird that uh, he went off and um, did the Aussie stuff, isn't it? It's just sort of like plucked from nowhere I suppose well you say that but he's been working with so many bands in Europe and touring with um he started with uh dream dream evil mystic prophecy he always had his own thing firewind going mm. on and he was writing albums for that and he was huge in Japan I mean I remember he was in the cover of young guitar magazine quite a few him and Alexi Laiho who was another guitarist I really liked well from this um from this genre, from the metal genre. So I think he's worked really hard to get where he is. And I think he definitely deserves it. I mean, I've seen him with Ozzy in Oxford, funnily enough. I think that was maybe around 2000. And I can't 10? imagine Ozzy in Oxford. What? <laughs> I can't. I mean, Oxford's such a lovely place. Yeah. <laughs> well. Did you know, I was, uh, I was at... I think it was my first ever NAM trip, and I was on uh, one of those shuttle buses, you know, that ferry you between like your hotel and the NAM show and stuff like that. And there was uh, there was only two of us on it, and the driver said, "Do you mind if I put the radio on?" I was like, "No, no, you carry on." <laughs> and um, Van Halen came on. I think it was Running with the Devil came on, and it, like we're driving in California, the sun's beating down, you know, and I'm like, oh. I get, I get Van Halen. Oh, Black Sabbath sound like my home. 
oh, right, okay, yeah. It's just kind of like, I'd never clicked before that Black Sabbath is just the sound of Birmingham. That sort of like pounding is the, just the factories. You yes, know. you're right. Well, I love Black Sabbath as well. I think the the first four albums, of course, the first five albums are just amazing. Oh, I had this discussion a couple yeah. of days ago because I said the first four albums and then my mate went on to list several other albums. <laughs> uh, the, it was actually, as far as he was concerned, the first seven Sabbath albums are brilliant and after that they're a bit rubbish, but <laughs> I stuck at four. <laughs> I wouldn't say rubbish, but it's just a different thing at some of those. Uh, but I mean, even the to- Tony Martin albums were amazing and the Dio albums, of course. But there's something about those first albums that was very raw and it's mm. just magical, magical. So there you go. I mean, in England, Black Sabbath is where, well, England is where Black Sabbath was born. So I definitely had to come there and just experience the real thing instead of get the information from someone in a music school in Athens that would know what they're talking about, but the scene was very little back then. Yeah. So, yeah. Is it a big scene now? I would say it's bigger. I mean, the underground scene is definitely bigger. The metal scene has always been quite significant. That doesn't mean that there is a lot of uh, touring to be done all the time locally because it's a small country. Mm. But there are a lot of bands that are successful bands and do a good... um, you know, good albums and they just travel abroad for tours in Europe and all that. I was thinking about this the other day that why is metal so popular? Because it's not, it doesn't feel as if it's very popular in the UK anymore. Certainly You're not. right about that, actually. I mean, but not even Europe, when I came. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, why is it big in Europe, but not in the UK? Could it be the people are angrier? <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that. I think I think there's plenty of anger over here. Oh, really? Mm, maybe it's more sophisticated anger and we're just like a little more uh, aggressive. I don't know. It, it's an interesting question. I think people love the rough tone and they want to just blow some steam off because you can see in some gigs maybe the band is not that great, but as long as you hear a drum beat and a metal riff and someone's screaming, people are having fun. So I guess it's kind of... Um, stylistic or the people just need something really loud because rock for example is not as i'd say it's not big at all i mean Mm. you don't get rock like proper rock bands definitely not in greece but metal metal you'll get a lot of metal bands now you see i have a theory about this i have a theory about this which is Mm -hmm. that i think the uk is is very much hooked on melody Right. Hooked to a melody. Hooked on melody, yeah. And I think right. what's happened is we really, we really just like pop, really. We like pop records, but we're quite happy to have those pop records in a different genre. But so like if you go through the 80s, early 90s, it was all hair rock, but they were pop records. It just happened to be it was Def Leppard or Bon Jovi or whoever it was singing them. And that we're quite happy to have pop records that are, you know, you know, Britpop. So a slightly indie edge or a slightly country edge or whatever yeah. it might be. But I think I think we kind of hooked on melody. Maybe the issue is that, the, the, say, in metal, the, the melody is just too buried. You could, I mean, it could be that. As far as I'm as I know, at least from the Greek culture, there some of the first black metal bands happened in this country. So, for example, Rotting Christ and then Necromantia and Varathron. These are bands that were just... 
they had this whole concept of um, occult uh, songwriting and lyrics and all that. So I think that might have influenced the whole scene later because these countries travel, these uh, bands, sorry, travel the world. And Rotting Christ is one of the biggest bands now for, uh, for, (coughs) what is it? Could it be? It's definitely over 20 years, maybe even 30 years. And they're still one of the biggest experts of this country and they're touring the world and they're very popular in this style, this black metal style. Yeah. Do you think it's because Europe is far more religious than the UK and therefore proper metal has more of a place? Say, say again, so you're, that you're less or more religious. Uh, less. The UK is less religious. Definitely less, you're right. And I wonder whether it's, it's a lot of the black metal is a rejection of the Catholic Church, which is obviously hugely important in Europe, but less so here. You know what, I agree Europe. with that. Yeah, because we've got the Orthodox Church here, which was very conservative. So I think people would definitely want to react to that because it affected the way of life and it was... Uh, it's just very, like I said, conservative and not as free. But people wouldn't feel as free to express themselves. So maybe you're right. Maybe they ended up on the other end, just wanting to 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 go against that. Yeah. So have you played in any um, death metal, metal bands? Band? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, actually. I'm trying to think. Well, I've played in some like that. These were guest spots in some sort of. Um, pantera slash stoner type of metal bands but that's not a not yeah no black or death metal yet i don't know if i if if i'm suitable to do this type of gig i mean obviously i can play it if it's a band that needs a touring player Mm. but i don't know if someone would go for a a person with my what's the right word i don't know style i guess hmm but and I can yours, definitely play. I definitely have the technique to play all those styles. That's for sure. Your style is quite uh, adaptive, though, isn't it? Because I was reading that you've, you know, you've done quite a lot of session work, and you know, you've gone from punk with the Ramones to, you know, touring with a, a country artist. Was it? Yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting to me. You're right. It was Irish country, by the way. I Irish was, country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Celtic country or something like that. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah mix them up but it was um it was not very technical but it had a different approach a different tone you're right so I learned to play with a cleaner tone and fewer notes and just focus on the chords song yeah songwriting basically just not to play for myself all the time yeah so how'd you get a gig like that because it was different types of people who would contact me like sometimes there were uh projects that needed a girl band for you know, reasons of obviously looking cool or whatever. They maybe mm. have wanted to focus on the a male frontman or something like that. So they could just have this as a... Um, something yeah. to look nice on stage, you know how it goes. So a lot of the times it would have been auditions like these that people would uh, call me because surprisingly, even when I came to the UK, there were not so many female players I mean, in Greece, probably there was none. Maybe there was one that I didn't know where in the world, where in the country she would be. Mm. But when I came to the UK, still, there there were female players. But again, it was starting to grow. It was that time where more and more girls went into playing guitar. So I guess I had more opportunities as well because of that, which was good, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of the frustrations, I think, isn't it? For for me, with the guitar show, that it's a well, from the surveys that I've done, it's an eighty-two percent male audience, and yeah. Ant's other job, you know, has responsibility for diversity within the industry and and so on, and we struggle constantly. You know, how do, how do you attract more females to the guitar world? It seems ridiculous that you don't. You know, and some of my favourite albums are by female artists, so I don't understand. You know, it's not like there aren't role models out there for them. I I, I don't know whether it goes back it's... to the, you know, your point of like, well, you know, we've put a girl band together because it looks good, kind of detracts from it somewhat. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, but in a sense, I guess it's all sometimes a product in this business. So you have to, to go with it and say, okay, if this is what you want, if this is what you want to sell, I'm going to come and do the job right. Uh, it's not what I'm, you know, it's not that I just want to do this thing because I want to do mm. my artist thing, my solo thing. And I want to play in bands with, well, regardless of what the members are, male or female, but I always think of the business now. So if someone wants to put up a girl band and they want to pay for that work, I'm going to go and do it. If someone wants to do it just because they want to look cool and, you know, just for silly reasons like this, I'm not going to get involved. But I used to feel like when I was younger, I used to think, oh, is it worth it just because they're doing it for the show? But it is totally worth it because you are actually working yeah. And you're learning things and you're um, practicing your instrument. Whether or not someone wants to look at it or listen to it, I was always wanting to, li well, listen to what I'm playing and get myself to become better. So I'm going to use any opportunity like that, but I'm not going to go crazy about getting all the, um, the attention just because of that. I think this is a good balance to, to think of it like that in any any environment, I guess. But... As to your question, how you would attract more females, I mean, that's tricky. I think you would attract more females if they're actually interested in playing an instrument. And secondly, sometimes, and I think that's just human nature, it is about the looks, isn't it? Like you look at people when, especially if you're younger, you look at the bands or artists and you want to see something attractive in them. And I'm not just talking about being good looking, but... I think everyone gets attracted by something that is bigger than them, whether it's the looks or the performance or something magic that it can happen during their live playing. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's the, the, the fact that the live industry is a little different now. So people are not as hungry to go and see people play for real, even in the guitar shows, or maybe it's something else. I don't know. What, what do you guys think it could be? I, don't, I mean, in terms of the guitar show, the biggest attendance it's ever had this year so I did know. see a lot of girls to be honest I saw a lot of different types of audience I didn't think it was just yeah and that visitor well, survey that I did was like uh <laughs> 2020 uh just before the pandemic so it may well have shifted um I, I mean I, I really would like to think I could attract I'll... <laughs> a, a more diverse crowd um to the event um and I do try I'm mean, you know it, you know the the advertising is incredibly neutral in everything that I do, so yeah. you, you couldn't claim that the advertising is misogynistic or anything like that. You know, it's in fact it doesn't feature any gender at all. It's always just a picture of a guitar, and guitars have no gender. Yeah, that's you know. right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just winds me up when people call their guitar she. It's a piece of wood. 
It's not Where's a she? she. Right, yeah. yeah well, oh, just annoys me beyond belief that does. <laughs> <laughs> I've never given any names to a guitar. I, I just, I would just feel weird to do that. It, yeah. Because it would be like a pet, right? It's not a pet. No, it's, it's the Telecaster, it's the Stratocaster, it, you know, yeah. it's the Les Paul, you know. Yeah. Um, That's right. Uh, You've got two solo albums out. Are you recording a, another one? Um, I just released a single that was a month ago. Oh, well, Maggots. A little, a little, yeah, that was a little over a month ago. So this is from an upcoming third album, mm. which has a lot of work to... Well, a lot of work needs to happen for this to, to, to be ready because it's just one of the most ambitious things I'm trying to do now to just make it even more progressive i guess and darker in a sense because i've played what i've played in the first two records which was i mean the first one was like kind of satriani vi paul gilbert greg mm. howe all those early influences this was a i would say it was like a rock shred record yeah and it was up tempo and more like fun and all that stuff the second one was a little darker so more personal the tempos were slower and the it was more moody, I guess. And this third one, I want to make it... For me, it's important to keep things varied, so not to repeat myself, because I get bored very easily as a person and as a player. So if I if I listen to myself play something that I've played again, I feel like I'm cheating or like I'm not yeah. progressing as a person. So it takes longer, but it's worth it. I think Maggots went really well. And it actually surprised me because it was definitely a, not one of the easiest songs to write. And it was a long, longer track as well. And, you know, sometimes long tracks can be, well, you know, the attention span these days, even mine. Oh, but uh, I, I can't write a song that lasts longer than four minutes. I'll get bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, for some reason, I can't write a shorter song because I feel like I have more things to say. And I like repeating sections. I think that's because I used, like, when I was younger, I listened to a lot of Joe Satriani, and I love the way he he would structure the songs like mm. pop, like Anne said. So it wasn't completely just section after section, like a stream of consciousness. It was more like, okay, this is the part. This is like, a, I don't know, a movie or an essay. We've got this happening. Then there's something else happening. And then this th this thing is coming back a little varied. And then something else maybe has changed key or a mode or something. And I love programming the drums. Like I do all the pre-production myself and I put every little thing in. The, the drums, I'm very passionate about the rhythms and the grooves and obviously bass and keys. So yeah, I, I like writing kind of like this now, trying to, well, not now, but always. I, I want to have a, a sort of structure to the song that feels like a movie I guess, mm. or um, something that the, the people can listen to and not completely forget what happened a few bars ago. Yeah, so as, as best as I can, at least. Yeah. So you're you're recording these. Are you doing the when you're the tracks when they're finished? Do you, you is it still pre-programmed drums or do you get? Oh no, I get in? the yeah the players in and they do everything at the studio. Like I'm a little traditional with that. I, I recorded a. Everything with um, my pedal board into the amp, well, mm. a, a head and cab, cabs. So yeah, I, I'm not going. In, I've not gone into the digital world just yet. 
one thing I'd noticed, and I've not seen this before, but you're about to tell me it's really normal, and I'm just way behind. But the the single went out with obviously the uh, the track itself, but then with this guitar bundle. Yes, I did that. I haven't marketed this as much as I uh, as I should because I I just haven't done this yet because we had a big festi- guitar festival here. I'll talk about that in a bit, and we were busy doing that. So uh, yeah, I did a. This is a guitarist bundle, you know, if they want to learn how to play the solo or the riffs or those delay themes and all that. I've just transcribed everything, but was that the question or yeah, did I, I interrupt I, I you? Yeah, I've not seen that before actually available. I mean, obviously, you know, used to things being available in terms of tab and what have you, but it looked like you, you put the... You, you put a you put the backing track with it, and 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 then effectively you transcribed it yourself. So, in, as well as crazy. well as the track. <laughs> yeah, I did. This transcription was crazy because uh, I don't know. I just did, well, obviously I improvised some of those things, and uh, you have to go back <laughs> and write them down. Yeah, because I had to figure out how to how to transcribe some of those things because they're just, anyways. It was. A, I think it was a fun thing to do because some people want to learn to play the song, and I'm going to mm. do a playthrough soon of that, so that they um, they can kind of see what I'm doing close in a close up. Because in the video, in the official video, maybe it's not very uh, obvious. So yeah, I did this bundle because there's also a longer version of Maggots. It's got, it's got an intro in the beginning, which is interestingly is quite Sabbathy. That's how I was thinking of that. You know, just like uh, when the bells and all that come in the Black Sabbath record. Yeah. So I, I did something like that because this is based in um in some true in, in there's like a fictional a fictional story based on some true events that happened here in Greece behind the song. So I wanted it to make to sound like a complete chapter that describes the story. Basically, there was some uh, there has been lately a lot of violence towards animals here. And this was a really crazy one. The, there was this um, guy who was actually uh, in a village close to where I come from, and he would he tied his uh, donkey to a pickup truck, and he would oh. like drag it for a mile or something, and the, the the animal was bleeding. And well, after some time, as you can realize, well, they didn't manage to save it. So that was a terrible tragedy. And this guy was just like, okay, I didn't notice that or whatever, you know. I was really hurt by that. And I was very angry at that night when I heard the news and I just started writing the riff. And then I just had this whole fictional story in my head. And then that came to life with a video where it kind of shows like the way things would have gone in a, in a world of justice if you like it's kind Mm. of like a greek tragedy almost so anyways it's a dark tune and i wanted it to represent something real something that i felt as best as i could which obviously takes more time especially if you don't have lyrics yeah so do you do that when you're writing songs do you um because there are no lyrics do you kind of see it as like a soundtrack to a film have you got the whole sort of story in your head when you're writing a track yes and it, and I build onto that so I have the main idea in my head how is it going to go how can I sort of direct each scene but sometimes and I did that a lot on the second album I have 
some lyrics in my head that describe a situation and then those lyrics have a melody and then the melody becomes the guitar melody right okay so, do, so the, yeah do you never do you never sing ah uh, i don't really i mean i've i've sang sometimes uh, like backing vocals but i don't have the right technical background or to be honest the huge need to do that mm. i feel like there's people who really need to sing and get it out from their chest i don't think i'm one of these people i mean who knows what can happen in the future but i prefer the guitar i guess because of my influences because mm. of uh, the fact that i like the sound of the guitar a lot and i, I find it interesting trying to see what i can create with the effects and it's just more in the um, in the imagination isn't it sometimes words I don't even know that I'm good with words to write like a great lyric or something like that. And I would want to make it available to people that don't speak Greek as well. Mm. And then again, I would doubt, I would seriously doubt my skills as a songwriter in a language that's not my first, even if I love it so much. So I, I don't want to make it disappointing for myself and for someone who listens to it and says, well, I, I'm not getting what you're trying to say here. But then again, I suppose I could do a collaboration with a person whose first language is that, and they could help me with that. And this is something that could quite possibly happen in the future. I don't think you need to worry. Your English is pretty <laughs> damn good. Well, that's one thing. But when you want to write something musical and some sort of, I don't know, symbolic words or whatever, this is another story, isn't it? It is, but also, um, you don't, I don't think... Uh, Given the history of pop music, I don't think you have to worry too much about what the <laughs> lyrics are. I mean, a lot of them are pretty tosh, really. <laughs> well, maybe you should just chill out and uh, <laughs> and deal with it. <laughs> you know, because this was so dramatic, I feel like it is more dramatic without words because mm. it could get too cheap, cheesy. Is that the right word? Yeah. I don't know. I don't want. I don't like cheap. I don't like creating cheap. Uh, sympathy I like it to be deep but so then again the yeah. other thing is and I guess this is where it is a challenge is that if you're it's the imagery you you use to conjure up something else so if you are writing about something that is tragic um, or you're writing about you you often write in a very nuanced way and that that I guess must be harder if you're writing in a second language I think it would be but I'm also sure that it would be hard in my language as well i just i don't i just don't think i'm that great with words in, in writing lyrics i'm okay to, to speak you know and do all that but i think it's another skill to be able to create images with words that are mm. not predictable or that have some sort of magic to them if that makes sense i don't think this is my strong uh, strongest area <laughs> So what's what's happening with the album then? Is it all recorded and ready to go or is it just like a constant work in progress at the moment? I wish it was. It's the second thing you say. It's a it's work in progress and uh, I did a lot of work to promote maggots as well. Hmm. So because and that was not a great uh, that was well, well that was a mistake on my part for the second record because I felt very connected to it and it was very, you know, real and recorded with an amp in the studio and all that. And it was more songwriting rather than shredding. I was like, okay, this is going to do great. And I 
I didn't do as much promotion as I should have done for it. And that was a shame because obviously things are not so romantic. You you can't expect people to get to your music by themselves these days. So what I'm focusing on now is doing a great production on each track, mm. promoting it for some time so that people get to know it, which is what happened with this one. So when we did this uh, gig, that was uh, in thir- last Thursday, actually, I mean, people knew that I was going to play the single and they, they had listened to it and they had expected to hear it live, which is important because that you become connected to them, to your fans, to the people that want to listen to your music. And that's that, that's what you want, right? You want to communicate the music to them. Yeah. yeah. You want them to look forward to listen to it uh, in a live uh, gig. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys want me to talk about this thing that we did because we... Yeah, uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really proud of that because we've been planning it for over six months. So there's, um, there's quite a few great guitar players here that have their own discography. So we, four of us decided to join forces and organize this Guitar Experience Festival. Oh, cool. I did this in 2016. That was shortly after I came back to Greece from the UK. And I did this with two other players back in the day. We did a little event called Guitar Experience as well. And we tried to do it like a G3 type of thing. Mm. It went really well. But it was more um, raw back then. We didn't know anything about marketing this. We just wanted to play our songs and do a good show. So that was great. And um, more recently, we talked with these three other Greek players as well who have their own uh, albums out. And we we set this thing up. Well, we had some help regarding the production and marketing and all that. But we did a lot of work to make sure that each person is going to play with our band, present their, you know, original stuff we'll do a half hour set 30 35 minutes each and then we'll do a big event where uh, we'll invite not only guitarists but musicians as well in general and people just people who like music so yeah we we did that we've prepared that for the last six months at least we did a lot of promotion and we were curious to see what would happen because as you guys know better than us the guitar events is something that you know, in 2023, you don't know how it's going to go. Because no. a lot of the guitar playing and guitar performing has moved online to Instagram and YouTube and all that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's been, um, that's been a, a strange thing for me. Um, that, uh, you know, sort of last year at the show, I mean, there was you, there was like Danish Pete, Digital John. Um, He's amazing. I love his style, by the way. Yeah. John... Uh, He's so good. Uh, and the, the the strange thing is, you know, I've got um, uh, Peter Hook from New Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've got Luke Morley from Thunder. Uh, and I've got Ryan Roxy from Alice Cooper's band. But actually... Yeah, he it was, was great too. A, a, it was the online guys that drew the biggest crowd, um, which really surprised me. Um well. I, 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 I suppose how it, things work. Yeah, yeah it, it shouldn't have surprised me, but you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I suppose because uh, um, I grew up learning to play the guitar before a long time before YouTube. That actually, my guitar heroes were guitar, you know, in a band sort of thing, uh, yeah. not on a screen. 
So um, that made me have a bit of a, a rethink, to be honest, about moving the show forward. That actually, um, am I missing a trick by not getting more of the digital Johns and Danish Pete's to come and perform at the show? So uh, that's one of the things I'm looking at for 2024. That's a good question. I guess the way people are online all the time now, it does make a difference. And this is what I was similar to what I was talking about before for the promotion aspect. I mean, even if you play great and if you put on a great show, if you don't make yourself known through all the available platforms, people just won't notice you. Yeah. Just that's the way it is. So, uh, and, you know, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, for you, you do the Gibson app as well, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of the instructional, uh, one of the instructors there, so I do a lot of courses and songs. Mm. I don't know that this promotes my music as much, but it's definitely a great. It definitely promotes your name, doesn't it? Um, That's true. Yeah, because people think, okay, if she's working at the Gibson app, something good must be happening there. So I guess it does. Yeah, yeah and a I, lot I, of. Uh, yeah. I watched a few of them. Um, and it's really funny because like you're you're playing guitars that I don't normally see you play. <laughs> That's funny, to... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> do, do they have to send you some Gibsons and some Epiphones before you do the recording? They did, and that's funny because I was talking to Gus <laughs> G once, and he said, "So hang on, you play Fenders, and then you work in the Gibson app." And I was like, "Yeah," and he's go- he goes like, "Nice one." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so, quite amusing. I saw you playing, I think, an SG, a Les Paul, and it was sort of like, wow. <laughs> well, I play all of them, but I think that the Gibson guitars, probably for a live situation, I mean, I'm not used to playing Gibsons live too much, mm. but these guitars they've sent me here, they're really great, especially there's a Kramer as well, the Beretta, which is... Oh, yes, I saw that one. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that's really good. And then there's a... The acoustic, I've got it right next to me, actually, is a, a Gibson G Rider, I think is the name. That's right. the most amazing acoustic I've ever played. And I'm not an acoustic player. So I've, um, I've actually bought that one from them. So, yeah, they've got some great instruments. Maybe I'm just not a, a huge Les Paul person, I would say. No, I, I mean, I, I get that. I think, uh, I think it depends on what your first guitar was, really. I mean, my well, that's first funny because it was an. Ep- Sorry to interrupt, but it's funny because it was an Epiphone. Oh really? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, to be first... honest, Jace, mine was a Honer Les Paul, and I, I can't oh. go near a Les Paul now. See, my first two guitars were knockoff copies of Les Pauls, and actually, whenever I pick up my Les Paul, it feels like home. I feel really weird when I'm playing not a Les Paul. Something's happening here. Then all three of us have started with Les Pauls. Or types of because it's the coolest guitar it looks cool doesn't it yeah i remember i i thought it looked cool so i was like i was telling my dad i want this one it was a little more expensive than others but i I suppose also as well is that they are quite heavy and you're nowhere near as big as i am so uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah my back would hurt that's true that was that is true and i think they're not as easy sometimes for the high frets, because I, I tend to play yeah. a lot of stuff on the high frets and even on low strings on the high frets. So that would be a problem, I think, for my hand. It's not that huge. Yeah, I don't go up the dusty end ever, <laughs> really. So <laughs> it's the joy of being the singer. You, can, you only have to play the cowboy chords. It's fine. 
But anyways, the gig happened because I was talking about that before and it was mm. great. I mean, we packed the place and we couldn't believe it because we did a lot of promotion and we all did interviews, all of us together and everything was pretty cool. You know, no sort of competition or, you know, who's yeah. better, who's going to play faster and all that shit. But it was obvious that we wanted to do it as a group of people who respect each other's work and abilities on guitar and make it accessible to all the other people that haven't um, released their own albums so that we can inspire them as well and actually get them to get out of the house and come to a gig. Because a lot of us ourselves are bored of watching amazing players on social media. It's great, but okay, I want something more. Personally, I love watching live bands. And I do that all the time. I go to gigs all the time. It's maybe two gigs per week sometimes. Mm. So I don't see why us guitarists should stick with the social only, which is very important, by the way. I, I, I make sure to post as much as I can and keep these people engaged because not everyone can come to the gig uh, or they just want to see what you're up to and all that. But yeah, we, we, we were hopeful, yeah, I- but in the end, it was just even better than what we had expected and that makes us happy and um you know optimistic for the future of the scene in greece because we have so many guitarists here like i said yeah oh, sorry go on brilliant so you're gonna do it again and again this is the plan that's the plan yeah so the plan was to start doing this properly every year with different players so that mm-hmm. we don't repeat ourselves and obviously some of these people who were participated would be in the production uh, team to, to make this you know, smooth and run in in a certain way so that it's it becomes a thing, a guitar thing in Greece. And we wanna um, we met yesterday and chatted about how to take it to a few other city cities in Greece and yeah, try to make it even bigger. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, we're really happy with that. I'm really happy with that. I'm gonna release the uh, video from that performance relatively soon because we recorded the whole thing and it was a good night. Fantastic. So what's, yes. what's next after this? Well, uh, I've got a few guest gigs now. So I'm doing um, one later this week. The, the tribute scene is huge here. There's a big Ronnie James Dio tribute band that performs at least two, three times a year. So I'm going to do a guest with those guys in Thessaloniki, which is the second biggest city. That's going to be next weekend. Then I've got another guest with a really good blues player here um, in Athens. And then I've got some session work. I, I don't know if that's, well, maybe your question was more about the artist thing, but I, I I do a lot of things at the same time to, well, to, you know, obviously make a living as well. Yeah. So I, I've, this month is pretty crazy. I'm learning lots of songs for some private gigs and these uh, guest songs that I'm going to be performing at. And obviously we were planning the next gigs. I've booked another gig for February. Again, that's going to be in Athens for the release uh, of another metal band here. They're doing their release show and I'm going to be their special guest. So yeah, I haven't started recording a new, the next single yet, but this is something to, to start working on as soon as all the crazy gigs of December go. Uh, well, finish. Yeah. Yeah. And then is it a a Christmas at home? I'll try to, yeah. I mean, I always try to get back home uh, two, three times a year. So I'll go maybe for a week or something. 
Mm. I'm still working, you know, well at home. I've got like a separate set set up there with another laptop, audio interface. So I might be just working on, I'm doing an acoustic course now uh, on the Gibson app. So I'm working on that. And even if I'm far away from my home studio, I try to put in some work just to not completely loosen up. And then, well, you know how it is. The more you work, the more you get a, a good pace. If you stop working for a few days, then you're like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I just want to chill, <laughs> do nothing. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I'm, I'm out of questions, Ant. I don't know about you. Well, t- to be honest, um, <laughs> I, I mean, you've covered pretty much everything. I was, I was, I, I kept, I kept doing that thing where I was just about to jump in, and then you asked exactly what I was going to ask. But that's we've been doing this too long together, haven't we? That's the. Uh, that's 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 what happens there. The only thing I'd 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 got, and it's right back at the beginning actually, was just you said you got your first guitar when you were fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Which mm-hmm. we now know was an Epiphone Les Paul. Exactly. It's still, um, it, I still have it. It's back home. But you very quickly then worked out that this was what you wanted to do, and I, I was just amazed at the speed and the single, the kind of single mindedness. That from from picking up a guitar at fourteen to then effectively studying guitar full time, you know, only a matter of years later. So did it was it literally just so obvious to you that's what you were gonna do? I would say no. And it's interesting that you say that because the more time that goes by, it could actually be right the way you say it in perspective. But I mean, when I finished high school, like I said, I went to study uh, electrical engineering. Uh, was very, you know, I was pretty good at all grades. I, I didn't have any, I, I didn't feel any challenge with school. So I was like, I wanted to be as best as I could to be able to get away from home because I knew I wanted to move out of the city that I was there, which I, I love, I absolutely love, but I wanted to go to Athens and see some new things, meet some new people, just get out of the small place. You know how it is when you're 18. So I went to study there and I would say, yeah, relatively quickly within two, three years, because I continued to uh, play guitar. I thought to myself, okay, I can't really see myself becoming an engineer and working in a, in an office and have this specific sort of dress code and work with these people. It started to be obvious to me that I wanted to do something more exciting because like I said before, I get bored so easily so I thought, okay, since I'm getting better at guitar and it's it, it it makes me feel more passionate, I just want to try the extra thing and see, am I good enough to do this on another level? So I was like, okay, I'm going to go study because I want to learn all these things that I cannot learn here and then I'll see what happens. So that in that way, London was huge for me because that's where I realized no matter all the difficulties and the, um, the gaps I had, because I knew a lot less things than other a lot fewer things than other of my you know classmates hmm. uh but i i worked hard and i tried to catch up i think after all these years i've made a lot of progress from my beginnings and it was london where i started thinking okay i think i'm probably going to be able to do this and i believed in myself more did a lot more professional work you know, like I said, people there are more, you guys are more receptive towards musicians. There was no looking at me weird or just saying, okay, so what do you do for a living and all that stuff that happens here. So that took me to the next level personally and professionally. 
And obviously, I always wanted to write my own music. So when I did my first record, I was still in the UK. I produced it. Uh, I mean, Dave Marks was doing the bass and keys and all that. And Darby Todd played the drums. So we, uh, I released that while I was there. So I did all those first steps. I mean, I played at the Steve Vai masterclass. So all these great things happened while I was there. And I was, I think, I thought to myself, okay, I think I might actually be able to do this. And of course, I worked hard, did a lot of uh, part-time jobs when I needed to, to get some money coming in and fund all my solo releases. And after all these years, I, I'm happy to say that I'm only doing this as as work, and it's it's great. I feel lucky. I feel blessed, or whatever you can say. And I try to work as much as I can to get better and be original I guess as much as I can so Mm. I don't know that it was an immediate decision maybe if as the time goes by you could say that in this span of years yes this was a little gap but I think a lot went through my mind before making the decision plus the fact that my parents were not really keen actually they were not keen at all for me to go into music they wanted me to be an engineer you know Mm. which was okay I understand that maybe I would think the same in their place and, and to be fair, you've exactly asked the question because, or answered the question because that was the bit I kind of missed when we we went over it at the beginning. But now that makes that makes a you know a lot of sense that that actually that you 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 had that journey of uh, of of working out that actually yes this is something I can this is something I can do, um, and and you know and and kind of followed that dream really and 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 then arrive at that point. Of going, yeah, no, there's a there's a there's a career path, there's a progression here, and and clearly with what you've done, I mean, and we haven't talked about, you know, I, I seem to recall reading that you you'd done some theatre work and some pit work and all those kind of things, mm-hmm. you know, but just just that whole portfolio that you've got running with the different things that you're doing with the Gibson thing, with the app thing, with the teaching and what have you, and just, jam playing the True Fire, we've yeah. got some courses on True Fire as well. Yeah, sometimes I feel like. I feel like it's a dream, like you say, because I've been working so hard to get things to to happen that I, I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes you do things and you forget to, you don't forget, but you move on to something else and you, you might, yeah, for a second forget how good a thing you did or what the, the importance of that thing you achieved was. But it's very structured, and 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 what you've what you've got is is you know and and that then talks to the thought and the process you went through to get there and i think that's really really impressive and to and to be able to have done it you know even that at a relatively young age i think i think you know talks to uh, maturity and and talks to professionalism which i think is is something that Thank is you. you know obvious within the things that you that, that you do and, and and certainly the interactions and certainly you know be it from from how you attack something like the guitar show or some of the other things you've done so I think I think that's you know without wanting to sound condescending that's mightily impressive thank you so much I mean this is wonderful to hear because uh yeah I haven't been always that way you know I've worked on a lot of things a lot of um well, not great aspects of myself, but that's how my brain works because you said structured. I think structured is the key in my case because if I leave things to chance, it's not going to work out for me. So I want to make a plan and just make things happen, uh, give 
myself feedback or ask other musicians, other people who work with me, you know, how I can get better and things. And that's the way I've moved forward. It hasn't been easy, but it has been amazing. And it's just it's always work in progress for me. Uh, it's always something new to to conquer or to just overcome as a difficulty and get to the next level. So I'm I'm, I'm really humble that you say that because it's just, you know, feels good to, to, <laughs> to hear that. Thanks. Well, I mean... Echo what Jesse said. Thank you very much for your your time. It's been lovely. Um, it's been lovely getting a chance to have a have a catch up, um, particularly at at six o'clock on a Sunday evening, which isn't a normal time for a podcast <laughs> recording. But thank you very much <laughs> for, you. Uh, for, for for being uh, for being around for that. And hopefully we will we will hook up with you uh, again soon. And wish you the very very best of luck for what you've got planned for next year. But also that thing with the guitar bundle. I think that's just genius i think that's a really really <laughs> clever thing so i'm i'm my Cheers. i'm pleased i'm actually quite pleased that it isn't me that's missed it and that actually that it's something you know relatively unique because i think it's very very clever um, Cheers! i really so, appreciate so, that uh, i'm so thankful that you say that and it was it, i had a great time with you guys it was good to catch up you're right it's been a long time now but hopefully we'll meet again yes in one of the next shows yeah or maybe a gig, a big guitar gig. Maybe we can get guitar experience to Birmingham, right? Yeah, do that. <laughs> let's let's do that. In the meantime, obviously, um, I ought to wish you Merry Christmas, Jace, because I don't know if we'll talk on a podcast between now and the big fella coming. Am <laughs> I the last of the year? You will be the last of the year, yeah. Wow. I love that. That suddenly so, uh, <laughs> feels really exciting. So Merry Christmas to both of you. Mm. Merry uh, Christmas, everyone. Mm. And, uh, All I've yes. got left to do now is get the Christmas radio times and watch Love Actually. That's all oh, I've got left. Oh, God. We yes. literally decorated the tree uh, here uh, with my partner just an hour ago because it's been a crazy month and we, we were very late to do that this year. We did ours today as well. And I put the lights up outside and I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Uh, I was sat here at this very desk uh, mm-hmm. last Saturday. And uh, I was doing marking uh, for my other job and uh, an email pinged in and you know the way they shoot across the screen and it said, your Amazon purchase. And I was like, I haven't bought anything. (laughs) And uh, it was uh, Love Actually uh, because it's not on any of the streaming services. You have to pay for it. So who bought that? You did? No, my daughter bought that on my account. Right. So I, it's, I got it's, a, it's back in the cinemas. That's why, isn't it? It's yeah. actually they've they've relaunched it. It's back for whatever anniversary it is. So yes, yeah, so I wandered into the living room and went, um, "Have I just bought Love Actually?" And she went, "I've sent you the money." <laughs> <laughs> that happens in our house. <laughs> yeah. On which note, we should probably just wrap it up. We should now. wrap it wrap it up, Jace. Yeah. Well done, beautifully beautifully done. <laughs> we will wrap it up at that point. <laughs> All right. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.